You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Man, I am a sucker for that high part there. Um, and Emmy's singing, and I apologize if you, you know, if the if my mic was actually on or something, but I can't not try to sing Emmy's part there, and so takes me to my tippy toes there. I love that. Uh, let me pray, and then we'll we'll get rolling. Um, Father, thank you. What a gift to hear these words from Paul, to hear his heart for. Your church, drip from his pen, spill from his heart. Would you give us hearts that bear the weight of one another? Holy Spirit, would you would you would you give us eyes to see? Would you let us trust the work that's already been done in in Jesus? And would you let us bear the weight of one another until you return in Jesus' name? When was the last time you you felt deep burden for something? Just, you know, like crippling almost, just, just the weight internally, heart racing, just the burden for something. Um, when was the last time that you felt that deep burden for someone? Not just a thing, but, but a person or people. When was the last time you felt deep burden that, that you want to you take the weight from someone or something and, and it, wasn't about, it wasn't about you and, and it wasn't for personal gain? I imagine in the last six months, year, nine months, I don't know, however long the world stopped spinning whenever that happened. I, I imagine those, those truths have have kind of come up, and, and maybe it, it takes the form of anxiety for you, or, or maybe there's just uh, stress and, and internal toil. When was the last time that you felt deep burden for God's church? Like the people to the left and to the right of you. For some, like like church is... Something that you show up to a few times a month. Totally get that. And so people, they, they go to church. And you know that we don't use that language around here. Um, uh, but, but some, they, 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 they might tune in to a live stream and, and show up to a place a couple times a month. For some, the idea of church is, is something that you, you pass a dozen of on your way to work. Totally get that. The steeples and stained glass and all the things. And, and low-lit basements, right? Um, for some, church is, is something that's part of family tradition, and, and you hear people talk about church that way as if it is like merely, it's what grandma did, and, and I want my kids to do the same thing, right? And that's what, that's what church is, and, and for some, church is, is a real part of your life, and, and maybe you're a member of the local church, maybe it's, it's this one, uh, maybe you're, you're connected and you show up, and, and maybe you even give of your, your, your finances and your time a little bit here and there, but 
But the church is so much more than, than just any of those things. It is so much more. The church is, is many things, and it's tough to define in, in succinctness, but the church is, is God's people secured by God's promise, established by God's power, equipped by God's presence, sent on God's mission to make, mature, and multiply disciples. The church is God's people, secured by God's promise, established by God's power, equipped by God's presence, sent on God's mission to make, mature, and multiply disciples. We miss in our understanding and we miss in our burden for the church in a couple major ways. One is, is we aren't aware of the battle. And when we read this text, you see that Paul is aware that there's like battle and that there's, there are reasons to be concerned and there's stuff going on that, that's difficult and, and that's waiting. And so when we're not aware that, that just existing as the church puts us uh, as soldiers in a battle, uh, th then we treat it passively like, like someone else will bear its weight, like someone else will bear her weight, the weight of the church. Through Christ, by the Spirit, the church is God's missionary strategy for overcoming darkness. Christ did that. And, and what we get to do, maybe it's like uh, there, there's a cure for a human problem that we call sin. What the church gets to do is we get to be the ambassadors. We get to be the ones that, that let people know that there is a cure for the human problem of brokenness because of sin. And so sometimes we're just not aware of the battle. Another way that we miss is, is we're not aware of the victory. And, and we walk in, and, and we, uh, the, the victory that we get to walk in and that we get to invite others into. Christ has won the battle. It's a wrap. It's a wrap, and yet, what we see in the scriptures is that it's already done, and yet it's not made manifest in fullness. Virtually every segment of of this text, every sermon, I think this is number four, every one of them has pointed to until Christ returns. And, and, and the way that this is set up is, is First Thessalonians, living now with future hope. We're always pointing at this. And the elders recently have, have like many things in the past that we began in, engaging in like eschatological stuff in, in times conversations and saying, okay, like, what, what is true, what is not, what's open hand, what's closed? So we're, we're navigating those conversations, but, but one thing that we know is that, that Christ will return and he will make all things new, right? And we'll, we'll tease some of that out uh, in, in future weeks, but, but Paul knows well the beauty of the church. He knows well the burden of the church. He knows well the battle that the church is in, and he knows well the victory that is ours in Christ. He knows the, the value of the church's strategic existence in advancing the mission of God. Maybe you've heard it this way. Uh, uh, Hirsch, I think it was, said this first, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. That changes everything. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission will advance. It will march on. Christ, Holy Spirit, all the, the work will be done. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. So, so that's what Paul knows to be true. And so, so as we look at this, 1 Thessalonians, this is sermon number 4. 
We're walking through the end of chapter 2 and all of chapter 3. Living now with future hope. And, and here's the context, right? I'm, I'm reading chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. For since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Stop there. Just to, just to catch us up. We read about these missionary journeys of Paul in, in, in the back half of, of Acts in uh, the book of Acts, and in, in 17, he, he has this little snapshot of his interaction with uh, those in, in uh, the, the Thessalonians, and he, and he showed up for a month, and he preached the gospel to them, and they responded, some Jews, some Gentiles, and then, and then he got ran out of the city, and he hasn't seen them since, and he's worried for them, and so that's kind of what's going on here in his, in his heart, and so, so since we were torn away, all that, um, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. And so he's aware of the battle and it increases his burden. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord? Remember, I asked you, when's the last time you felt the burden of the church? Check this out. He says, before our Lord Jesus in his coming, what is our joy or crown of boasting before the Lord when he comes? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. It's what Paul says of the church, of these people, for you are our glory and our joy. What I don't think he's saying is when Christ returns and he says, what have you done for me lately? And Paul says, look at these people. Is that not enough? No, I, I don't think that's it. But what, what, I, what I think is, is coming out in, in emotion, and certainly in theological terms, is when Christ comes, like a proud parent, he's already, he's already made mother analogies and, and father analogies, Paul to these people, he will say, oh Jesus, we delight in you. You're here. Would you just look with tearful eyes? Jesus, would you just look? Would you just look at them? Look at what we've done. Not in a, man, I, now I'm good enough. Not in a boastful, no, but, but would you just look at them? Look at what they're growing into. Proud parent moment. For you are our glory and our joy. So what we see here, and, and I think this just will help us set up, and these should be on the screen. Paul has kind of four burden-bearing concerns, and we'll get to some chunks and some major points in, in just a minute, but Paul has four burden-bearing concerns through just this little setup here, and it's this, it's persecution drove him out, and it may snuff their faith. He knows that, that he's not with them because things were dangerous, and their boy Jason got beat up in the streets, and riots broke out, not because of, of an election, not because of, of some cultural movement, other than the fact that Paul and his proclamation of Jesus and the accusation against him was this, that it was turning the world upside down. And people didn't like that because they liked the world right side up. So he's worried. Persecution drove him out and it may snuff their faith. He only spent a short time with them. He didn't get to, he didn't get to go through catechisms with, him, with them. He didn't get to go through uh, foundations and, and uh, membership basics and, and all kinds of things. 
He preached the gospel, and he, and he shared life with them. And he told them everything he knew in a month, and he got ran out of town. And so his heart is concerned. Secondly, he doubts whether he'll ever make it back. And he says here, gosh, I want to be with you, but Satan has hindered us. And I, and I just think, what does that look like? I don't know. We can over-spiritualize it, or we can say just this. This week, I talked to my dude Mitch in Guatemala, and I said, bro, I want to be with you. But something has hindered us. Like this isn't, you know that this isn't new. It feels new. It's different. We're pr- we have a, a pretty good life. But all this, it's not new. He doubts whether he'll ever make it back. Three, he wonders if they are bitter because he left so quickly. It probably looks something like this. Paul, get your crap. We're going to Berea. We got to go. No, but uh, get your stuff. We got to go. We don't know what it looked like, but you, you imagine it wasn't, hey, thanks for uh, taking me to the airport, and gosh, hugs, and we'll see. It wasn't like that. It was, it was probably at night. Our life is on the line. Dude, I, I, I know you want to stay. We got to go. No goodbyes. I didn't even get to talk to my dude, Steve, right? Didn't, didn't get to talk to my guy, Kevin, Right? He doesn't even know what they think of him. So he wonders if they're bitter at him because they left so quickly. And he feared that upon his departure, false teachers would swoop in on them. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty valid fear. No matter when or where you are. Gosh, I've been following them. See that video they posted? <laughs> that guy? Why are they listening to that guy? It seems like they want to be pastored by that YouTube channel and not real humans who labor over the word. So, so we see these four things spill from the ink in, in Paul's pen and in, in the burden in his heart. He knows what's at stake. Paul loves the church. He knows the dangers. He knows the battle. He knows what's at stake. His heart is on display. And today, he, through his words, and and I, through my words, and the Holy Spirit, invite you to love the church, to take on burden of being the church, to grow in the joy of loving and growing with the church. For you are our glory and our joy. That's what I want us to think of one another. Knowing the battle gives deep burden for bros and sisters until Christ returns. Knowing the battle gives deep burden for bros and sisters until Christ returns. I did have the word church instead of bros and sisters. thought that was a little more personal. Number one, to bear burden is to check in. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. This is tough. Talking about the afflictions, the the persecution, the stuff that's coming at them. 
And he says, for you yourselves know that we were destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were going to suffer affliction. So he's saying, we knew that it was a done deal. Christ said they hated me and they're going to hate you. Well, how does my blessing and safety fit into that? That, that is a great question. For, for you yourselves know that we were destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass. And just as you know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would not be in vain. The second illusion to the work of the enemy coming against these people that Paul cares deeply for. Right? To bear burden is to check in. That seems pretty literal, pretty direct, pretty simple. But here's the thing. A, a big part of my job, a big part of uh, the elder's job and, and certainly the staff job and, and group leader's job and, and servant leader's job and members one to another job, uh, being a neighbor, a big part of that, you know what it is? It's just checking in. That's what, that's what we get to do. All right? it, I know it's cliche, but, but like gauges are super helpful. Check engine lights uh, that's, a, that's a real thing. And if you have a check engine light, but you've put, uh, you just said, well, it just got frustrating seeing the gauges. And so I just, I just cut out some black construction paper and I just covered over that stuff. That's not super helpful. And it might, like, ah, oh, my car still goes and I, and I don't need that. Or, or if you've seen any uh, drama ever where there's a pilot in a plane and, and engine one goes out, What's he start doing? He starts tapping the gauges, and the camera goes in, and it's spinning around. <laughs> it's, and I don't know what any of it means. Never flown a plane. Don't know if that's a real thing. But it seems pretty legit. Adds drama, right? Gauges are important, all right? Uh, I remember when I, when I got my CDLs uh, years ago to drive a big church bus to take a bunch of kids to different states as a youth pastor, Right? And, and the pre-trip inspection is a big deal, and, and I remember studying for it, and, and all that is is just to, to learn what might go wrong, all right? You check this, and you, you kick this, and you wiggle this, and you, you point all these things out, and here's the thing. You're supposed to do that before you get in your car and drive away every single time. Do you know that? When's the last time? I'm just kidding. I don't want, to, I don't want you to self-incriminate. But I will say this, and this is, I, I've often thought, like, I get pulled over, Hey, you got a blinker out. I've often thought about saying, like, really? In the pre-trip inspection, I didn't see that. It must have gone out in the time that, I mean, you know. I wouldn't lie. I wouldn't do that. So we assess health all the time, but, but, but that's when we take flight or when we hit the road or, or even temperature checks when you go to work or when you take your kids back there or whatever. Like the, all that is assessment, right? And an even more important check we must do is assess our spiritual vitality. Are we alive spiritually? That's what we get to, we get to assess that. Uh, we're part of a church planting network, Acts 29. And, and in that, the, the idea is that we assess and we, uh, and we coach and we train and we support church planters. On the website, you go to acts29.com slash competencies. You can see a, a long list of core competencies that we kind of look at and we assess and we evaluate. And, and, and so there's some just helpful tools 
for, for you, for, for me, uh, as in, in discipling relationships, whatever. The thing on spiritual vitality is it's, it's got like a micro skills thing, and it says these are the benchmarks of what that looks like. Uh, are you serious about holiness? Is there evidence of personal relationship with Jesus? Just going to ask these things. Uh, is there a commitment to the authority of the scriptures in both personal and private? Or in, in both private and public life, I mean. Um, does this person acknowledge the importance of prayer for both effectiveness in advancing the mission and for intimacy with the Lord? Does this person display the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, love, joy peace, patience, kindness, all those things. Are those things visible? So what we get to do is, is, is just like Paul. They couldn't be there face to face. And they began to think maybe they wouldn't make it. And so they said, Tim, you're up. And Tim said, okay. And he went, all right? And, and so what's the point? Why did they send Timothy to check on them? Well, what we see, what we just observe here is a couple things. One, it just demonstrates the diversity of gift and opportunity in, in the way that God's people are put together. Paul couldn't get there. Timothy could. Don't know why. And so it's an opportunity. These people weren't Paul's people, although it, it probably felt like they're, they're his spiritual children or family. He knows they're not his people. He knows that these are God's people. That's the primary relationship. So I can't make it. We can't make it. Young Timothy, bro, it's, it's your time to shine. Let's do this. I, I want you to go, and I want you to get, give a report. And so, so he sent him to do what? Well, what the text says was he sent Timothy to establish and exhort them in faith. Go, and I, and I want you to tell them about, and, I, and, and about, and about, just, just go. I want you to further ground them and build them by truth in love. And then lastly, he says, because I just couldn't take it anymore. I just had to know. He sent Timothy to learn about their faith. To investigate. Are, you, are they still in the faith? Are they still fighting the battle? Just, he sent them to check in. So even against the weight of Paul's burden for them... We can learn and, and we can let this lead us just in simplicity to give us a heart that, that bears burden for the church by longing for and, and checking in. And, and we, can, we can do that in two relationships. One with ourself. How is my walk with Jesus? I know many of you ask that often. And I know many of you probably don't. Dude, you're engaged in, in a battle. You get to bear the weight of the church. You can't not ask that question. If you don't ask that question, you already have your answer. What's off? Am I, do I have spiritual vitality? Am I alive in Christ? Do I feel like I'm alive? What are my rhythms like? What are my disciplines like? Am I reading? Am I, am I longing for God's word? Am I praying? What are my relationships like? When I look around, is it just chaos and broken relationships everywhere? And then, and then we get to ask those questions for those in our circles of influence by proximity and, and, and for us and, and those that we share community group with. It's, it's not just your community group's responsibility. It's not just the elders' responsibility. It's, it's our responsibility to bear one another's burden. 
And it doesn't just have to be in community group. We're a small enough church to where we know a lot of people, or at least we, we see them. And so we, we don't have to think that, well, I'm not a part of their thing, right? We collectively get to put God's gifts on display in different ways as we care for one another. We get to be part of the work to establish and exhort one another in their faith. What he's describing is discipleship. We get to disciple one another. We get to ask. We get to learn about the faith of others. Are you walking out of things that are true? Or are you believing lies? So, so, so maybe this type of question uh, should be normal among ourselves and friends and acquaintances in our church family and our neighbors and our coworkers and, and, our, and the students who sit next to us that we know follow Jesus. It's okay to, to look to the left and to the right and to see who's around and to see who's bearing heavy weight and, and who's missing and spurring, along, spurring them along and just reaching out and asking this question, how are you and Jesus? And that can't be the only question that we ask. We get to say, how are, how are the kids? How's that master's program? How's that job transition? How, we, we get to do all those things because that's giving our life to one another. But look, we can't be afraid to say, how are you in Jesus? There's this lie that, that says that we don't have the right to do that. And I've heard it from many of us. Uh, that, that we don't have the right, uh, that, that others wouldn't want that, that, that they don't know me. And the reality is we don't have the right not to bear burden of one another and check in. There's this, this quote, I think it was David Helm or Mark Dever on a, a podcast, and, and they said, the church is yeast, which grows. <laughs> the church is yeast of that discipling culture where everybody recognizes their responsibility for the other members of the church, where everybody recognizes their responsibility for the other members of the church. As a Christian, I want to do others good spiritually, and that means I want to lay my life down to help others follow Jesus. He's talking about the basic burden of discipleship. Why should we bear burden? And why should we check in on one another? Because we know the weight of the battle. Because we know that life is hard. Uh, for this reason, as Paul says, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Knowing the battle gives deep burden for bros and sisters until Christ returns. The second thing, to bear burden is a two-way street. Uh, one of the times when I got to drive teenagers across the country, I was 21 years old. That's too young to drive teenagers across the country. I'm older now. Um, we were going to Philadelphia, and, and a few of you were in that room. And we had two cars because we didn't have our CDLs yet, right? And so we had some two cars, large uh, trailer and stuff. And, and it was uh, no GPS because that wasn't a thing uh, if you weren't in the military at that time in life. This was 2005. Um, tensions were, were high. Uh, this is crazy. But, but uh, you know, we're in the big city, Philadelphia, and it's, and it's crazy. And, and, and uh, we saw a, a guy with, with no clothes on. I think he was like 
He, he like stole a police car. I mean, it was crazy, right? I mean, literally, it was like, what is happening right now? Like, guys, close your eyes. This is, you know, like, for real. Uh, turn right, trying to go somewhere. The MapQuest map that we printed off is suddenly not valid because there's a police, we're, in, we're actively involved in a police chase, right? Um, but, but what I remember was th- there's difficulty in trying to get somewhere, and, and every road we turn on was like a one-way, and so, like, that is a dangerous thing. Um, and it's dangerous to go the wrong way on a one-way, but, but the reality is uh, it's just tough. It's like you, you, you go one, uh, one block over in the direction that you want, and then you have to get over, and you, you go two blocks back, and it was really difficult and, and inconvenient, right? The same frustration is true in life when a relationship is, is a one-way relationship. The weight is twice as much, and we've all been in relationships like that where it feels like you're putting double the work in and, and the other person is not putting any work in. But when we both bear weight, that, that burden is cut in half. And I've said this many times in counseling and just different situations. Sometimes we get to be the church, and sometimes we get to need the church. It's a two-way street. It's, it's giving and taking. I was super mindful of this this week. I sent out a few texts, checking on people. And I'm just, I was just thinking about this, and, I, and please don't. If I ever text you in the future, I am not baiting you to not ask me how I'm doing. Okay, You don't have to do that. But I just thought it was interesting that this week, I sent, hey, how, how are you guys doing? Uh, whatever, family stuff, whatever. Hey, really good. How are you doing? And, and this is what I thought. Huh. That's weird. Same thing happened to someone else. And you know what happened? 24 hours. 24 hours later, in the morning, this person responds. After we engaged around some things, and then the next day, she shoots a text, and all it said was, how are you doing? And I was like, huh. That is really nice. My dude, Caden Brashear. Hey, Caden. He sent me a text on Friday night. And he just said, hey, what's up? Caden got baptized a couple weeks ago. Interact with you. I think we started texting to like sure up some of those details, right? He's in the bridge. He's a young fellow, mature, but young. We text a little bit, and he said, I was just checking in. It's my dude. Can you imagine saying what Paul says here? <clears throat> so let's read this in, in verses 6 through 8. Chapter 3, 6 through 8. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Can you imagine saying this? about the church, the people that we get, to, we get to follow Jesus alongside the people in this room, the people in this community. Can you imagine saying this? For now we live if you are standing in the faith. 
Just think about that for a second. If you're not standing in the faith, I'm not living. I'm so encouraged. Timothy, he he reported back and he said, this is a two-way street. It's not just me bearing burden for you. And this wasn't the only church that Paul planted. He's planting churches all over. He's got people all over that he feels personally responsible for. He shoots out a text to these people that look like Timothy getting on a boat and going far away and all the things. And that text comes back that looked like Timothy getting off of a boat, right? Timothy says, or whatever the things are good hand gesture was at the time. And Paul says, gosh, my heart leapt. You too care for us like we care for you. For now we live if you're standing in faith. That's called skin in the game. This isn't someone else's burden. You're not someone else's burden. You're my burden. And, and, and as Christ would have it, we are your burden as well. Paul's faith is linked to their faith because the center of their life, what is true, their belief is in the same hope and his name is Jesus. Do you see the burden that he bears for them and how it makes Paul just so excited when he hears that they too have burden for him? Timothy has brought us good news of your faith and love. You too remember us kindly and long to see us just as we long to see you. These are the human moments of scripture that I just love. It's just relationships. And it's, and it's inspired and it's orchestrated by the Lord. And we get a Kind of, kind of get in there by the Holy Spirit shining bright the light so that we might understand these truths, but it's just so human. It's the people and their deep love for other people, not because they come from the same place, not because their lives look the same, not because they're on the same bowling team, not because they have the same career path, not because they have the same number of humans and dependents in their household, because they share a life and His name is Jesus. We, too, get to bear their burden. We get to bear one another's burden. There are two things that last beyond all of this stuff. And and we we know that the word of the Lord endures forever, and and so those things are, are God and his people. That's what will be there forever. God and his people. And if that's true, then then we should probably let that inform how we live in this life. We get to see their burdens. We get to see the burdens of one another as our burdens. Paul sees their discipleship as his discipleship. And when we don't do that, it's because we don't see being the church as our primary responsibility in this life. So we say, yeah, I go to church. I show up 
three out of four Sundays a month. Or when you talk to someone that you don't know well and you say, hey, like, what do you think of Jesus? Say, oh, I, I go to church. My mom raised me in church. Great information. Not what I asked, but that's great information. But you just see how people confuse. And it's not just people, it's, it's we people forget what we are a part of. I learned some, some relational principles about being the church years ago as a youth pastor. And, and I remember there was this one kid, this one girl in particular, and she was always sad and, and complaining about not having friends and, and no one cared for her. And, and I remember thinking in this one moment, I remember thinking, she needs something that I can't give her. I can't, I can't do that. My wife and I, we, we just, she needed peers that cared for her and that made an effort towards her. But she was also a, a terrible friend and her self-orbit wouldn't let her care for others. Bearing burden as the church is a two-way street and, and we don't get to only care for those who care back. That's not it. But man, we, we get to extend beyond maybe what we want to do, maybe beyond our, our comfort level, and we get to care for those maybe who don't offer anything in return. I'll, I'll say this. This church, the Village Church, we are 11 years old. And many of you know how uh, a new baby in your household can disrupt family dynamics. And I know many of you, like, even this month <laughs> are like, oh, yeah, that's true. And, hey, there was just, there were no kids. It was just us two, and this is easy. And you get a kid, and it's like, oh. And then that kid's cool, and then you have another kid, and that kid's not cool anymore. And you're like, wait. Like, wait. No, we had a family. Who's this guy? Who's this girl? But, like, I've seen that in the church. And when we started this thing, we were... 17 adult humans and 138 kids. It's not really true. It's what it felt like. It's what it, it's what it feels like when you're meeting in a living room. And by God's grace, we've, we've grown and, and sent on and absorbed and baptized and all kinds of stuff. And, and here we are. There's this family dynamic that says, yeah, I used to bear that weight, but you know what, like there's new people and I'm just not going to do my chores anymore. They don't need me. It's a lie. They need you and they want you. You might be on the other side of that. I'm a new person. These people have been around forever. Help us bear one another's weight because there's a whole lot of it. We get to, we get to fight those, those feelings of exclusion, press in, commit to meeting 
with someone, commit to making space for this family or, or, or serving or giving or contributing or discipling someone else or, or being discipled or being in, uh, in a relationship where you grow together. Commit to bearing real two-way burden of making, maturing, and multiplying disciples because that's what Jesus told us to do. He gave us the authority to do that. To go and baptize and teach and tell everyone about the news of this king. The last thing to bear burden is to pray for. And this will be super short. Verses 9 through 13. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? It's kind of like praying with his pen here. For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. When he comes back, we want you to be faithful and holy. To bear burden is to pray for. All right, And, and I just want to read this list and then uh, we'll close that. I want to have someone come up and pray uh, in just a second. We, we get to pray with Paul like this, all right? One, he, he thinks, uh, he, he gives prayers of thanks that, that they're in their lives. God, we thank God that you are in our lives. That's a great place to start. He prays that, that God uses uh, us to give you what you need for your faith. Here's the reality. I, this isn't painting a, a, a rose-colored picture of the Thessalonians. They don't have, they, they can't have Perfect systematic theology, right? They don't get all of the things. They might not be voting like you want them to vote. They might engage in culture in ways that make you feel uncomfortable. Paul's not saying that they are the, the epitome, they're the model. He's encouraging them and he's saying, you're still in the faith. You're still fighting the battle. You're still pursuing Jesus alongside of us to God be the glory. May God use us to give you what you need to establish your faith. And he goes on, he says, that we can be present in your lives. He prays that, that we can come and see them. He goes on, that God increases your love for one another and for all. And, and he just encouraging all along the way, in a way that Paul doesn't usually write. Gosh, you, your love is on display. Gosh, I, we, we pray that it would, it would be on display even more. And not just for one another, but for all what does that mean? I think that means everyone else. I don't know. And, and he prays that you may finish holy when Christ comes. Knowing the battle gives deep burden for brothers and sisters until Christ returns. And, and knowing how the battle ends gives us confidence and joy as we engage and, and as we bear burden with until Christ returns. Returns. That's what Paul continually puts before them. 
Knowing Christ came to bear our burden, that he died to pay for our burden, that he was buried to take away our burden by his resurrection, that we have victory over our burden, that he reigns today, giving us the power to endure, bearing the weight, that he sent the spirit, that we might acknowledge the battle which gives deep burden until Christ returns. So we get to what we get to check in. Super simple. We get to walk the road together, the two-way street. And we get to pray for one another with the hope of Christ's return pressing us along the way. And and one day He will return and, and we will be one another's joy and glory. So we get to respond. The band can come up. You can pray. Sit down right where you are. You can say, God, I want to be a part of that type of family. Would you show me how? Jesus, I trust you to forgive my sins today. Maybe you sit there and and you're engaged to to bear weight, to contribute to, to whatever it is. You can stand up and sing. There's a prayer bench over there. There will be a few people back by that red tree that would love to pray with you. You can respond if you're in Christ by taking communion, the, the, the cup and the bread that reminds us of the body uh, of Jesus that was broken and the blood that was spilled. And so we do that to remember and declare the good news, good news of Jesus until he comes. I want to invite Adam Hanauer up, and he's just going to help us pray a prayer um, with kind of the, the heart of Paul behind it. Bow with me. God, we stand before you this morning as a local expression of your church here in Hamilton, Ohio. God, that you eternally established for your glory, for our joy, on mission to make mature and multiply disciples, to bring forth your good news to a hurting and broken world. And God, we pray that 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 we get to experience that as a local body, but that we also get to press in into individual relationships and families and brokenness within this local body of believers, and that we get to give, our, give of ourselves, our time, our resources, our talents, that we don't get to be passive about how we press into one another's lives, that we don't get to be passive about what we see around us, around us and how you've equipped us uniquely to step in and to bring blessing and encouragement and build one another up. That you're doing that already in this church, that you would continue to do that in this church. That we would look to Jesus as the one who ultimately bore all of our burdens. That took away the sting of sin and death that set us free to be the people that you've called us to be. And so, God, if there's people in our hearts now that you are on our minds, that, again, we wouldn't just dismiss that, that we would continue to press in and suffer and walk alongside one another and pour our lives out because there's no other, there's no other thing in this life that we could pour our lives out that would bring the joy and the salvation that you promised in Jesus. And so, God, we pray that all of these things that Michael said that were true, that they 
would find their ways into our hearts, that the Spirit would bring direct conviction and application in all that we do, and that we would be changed people as we leave here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.